cistern? No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't it. He, what, what, he got swallowed by what? A whale. A whale. That's right. That's right. But there's, there's more to his story. Look at Jonah chapter 4. This is post-whale incident Jonah. All right? Post-whale incident Jonah. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. Jonah chapter number 4. And um, Jonah's a really interesting character in the Bible. There's an entire book dedicated to him, and yet outside of the book of Jonah, there's only two places that talk about Jonah. Uh, one is more of a, a reference to a prophecy that he makes in 1 Kings chapter 14, and the other is Jesus Christ. When they come to him, they say, what sign do you give us? And he says, there'll be no sign given to you, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. As the prophet Jonas was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And really, outside of that, there's not like these big volumes in the Bible uh, spoken uh, of about the life of Jonah. But you got this book. You got the book of Jonah itself. And in four chapters, let me tell you, there's a lot to be discussed about his life and that, you can, that can be explored about human nature as well. And uh, this morning, I want to talk about a subject that I think, I think, is something that at some point we all struggle with. If you are a mom, you struggle with anger. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the other side of that, people. All right? All right? If you are a dad, you struggle with If you're a husband or a wife, you struggle with anger. If you're a child, if you're a, a brother or a sister, if you're a student in a classroom, if you are a, uh, an employee of an employer, uh, everyone at some point deals with anger. Amen. There's not one person that's... Uh, you might be the happiest person on the planet and kind of a tigger of a personality and just a you know, happy-go-lucky guy or gal, but you still at some point are going to struggle with anger. And you better learn how to deal with it biblically. Jonah chapter 4. Now... The first word in the chapter here ought to let you know there's a problem uh, because the first word here is but. And it's kind of let you know like, hey, there's all this stuff that God did in chapter 3 and people were repenting and turning to righteousness. And, and then it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my... Have you ever talked to God like that? Lord, didn't I tell you? I mean, that's literally what he's doing. Uh, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before Natarshish, for I knew, I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life for me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Someone is being a little unreasonable with God. Okay? Verse 4, then said the Lord, I love this, and I, I want you to kind of ask yourself this question. Just pretend God's talking to you today. And if the Lord could speak to you audibly, when you get out of sorts and you get out of control and anger takes over, I, I want you to ask yourself this question, or better yet, think as if the Lord was asking you this question. Doest thou well to be angry? Now, Jonah's response is classic. Classic. Look at verse Number, uh, number five, you say, what's his response? Nothing. He doesn't respond to God at all. He just keeps living his life like a lot of Christians do when God's trying to deal with them about something. Amen. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the Lord. Oh, I'm so glad Jonah's glad now. I'm happy because then maybe he won't be angry anymore. Well, let's keep reading. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. You know, if, if, if God can make the gourd, he can also make a worm, right? And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well? Now listen, if God has asked you something twice, he's trying to get your attention. Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? 
And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gore for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, and which came, up, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that's 120,000, they cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? Doest thou well to be angry? This is one of the only books in the Bible that ends with a question mark and no response. And you know what I'm trying to drive home to you this morning is this. If you don't learn to deal with anger the right way as a believer, what will end up happening is there will be a lot more questions and there will be answers exemplified by your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing. Joe, would you ask God's blessing on us? Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me say this much. If you are a born-again child of God, the moment you got saved, here's what God did. God took your sin and he put it on Jesus Christ, and he took the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he put it on your account. Thank God for that. But do you know what he did not do? He did not say, okay, if you've got a problem with anger, that's all gone now. Or if you're a selfish person, you're no longer going to have any selfish tendencies. I wish it was like the moment I got saved, he made me exactly like Jesus, and I never sinned again. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) You know what God does? It's a miracle that God does this. He separates the soul from the flesh the moment you get saved so that the sins you commit in the flesh are no longer counted to your eternal soul. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? When you get saved, you don't lose it. You find it, amen? And you find it in Christ, and that's awesome. But it does not mean that all of your character is fixed the moment you got saved. Listen, if you were a person that found it easy to lie to get out of trouble before you got saved, guess what you might struggle with after you get saved? Lying. And listen, if if you were someone that was addicted to drinking or drugs or pornography or, or fill in the blank before you got saved, it doesn't mean all that stuff just automatically goes away overnight. That is your character that you have to learn to submit to God on a daily basis. Now listen, someone asked me recently, they go, if I'm praying to God for him, just take this thing away. Why would a loving God not just take away this problem in my life, this thing that I've gone back to over and over and over? Here's the answer. God will give you a way out if you're willing to take it. But let me tell you this. God was not the one to put the beer in your hand or the joint in your hand or the magazine in your hand or the phone in your hand or whatever else in your hand that caused you the mess in your life that you got right now. So it might take some time to submit to God on a daily basis. That's why simply, something as simple as getting up as a, as a born-again child of God and reading your Bible when you don't want to, going to church when you don't want to, praying when you don't want to, loving people when they're unlovable and you don't want to. That's why all those things are so good for you. It builds your character in Christ. Amen. And that is not something you just win overnight. And let me just tell you, if you're saved, it doesn't mean you're never going to get angry. I wish that was the case. We'd have a lot less trouble. But wouldn't that be awesome if now you're saying, you're like, singing I go along. That's real crazy. Just, man, I'm just so happy. I don't have any problems. In it. I'm just never going to be angry ever again, you know? And I don't care. It doesn't matter what dumb thing he does, wife. I will never be angry with him again. Hey, man. Right? Or it doesn't matter how many times, right before my head hits the pillow, I mean, I'm about to go out. Oh, honey, can you get me some water? And by the way, can you make sure the door's locked? And I think the dogs might be outside. Why'd you wait till my head hit the pillow? What's wrong with you? 
no matter what it is that you're dealing with or whatever stage you're at, you're at. Listen, there's different kinds of angry people. I recognize that. There's the silent anger kind, you know? I, I'm not looking at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just making eye contact with a crowd. You just happened to be there. That's not. Is that him? I don't know. You tell me, Sarah. I'm not sure. <laughs> you're dating him. I mean, <laughs> anyways, I wasn't looking. At, I was, but I wasn't really looking. I was actually in my mind thinking about this. Uh, hey, babe, are, are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> She's not fine. And if you, <laughs> if you do what I did 20-some years ago, oh, cool, you're an idiot. Because <laughs> that's not the end of it. <laughs> There's a silent anger kind. There's a let me blow up at everybody at one moment kind. I'll yell at the kids even though I'm mad at my boss. Right? I'll yell at the kids even though I'm mad at my spouse. Or, or there's the kind of passive-aggressive kind. Right? You know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you, you ask someone how to, oh, I'd be doing better if I had your situation. I'm fine, though. Uh, uh. Praise the Lord. I, I guess I don't, I don't, what do I say to that? But you, you have anger issues. We all do. And just because you're saved doesn't mean it's going to all go away. Now, look, if you're lost, you've never been born again. Let me tell you something right now. The most, the biggest anger issue you have to deal with is not actually yours. It's the fact that God is a righteous and a holy God. And listen, just because we don't pay for everything in this life right now doesn't mean payday's not coming someday. You need to understand because of a holy and he's a loving God and a merciful God and one that the Bible says delights in mercy. We just read how God was so concerned about 120,000 people that did not even know God's very name. He was so concerned about them that he sends a prophet, a preacher, to go and tell them that they need to repent. That's how concerned God is about lost souls. He wants you to know him. He wants to be restored to you. But understand this much. God does not take sin lightly. And our God is a righteous. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Listen, if, you, if someone hurt your family and did something against you, you would be upset about it. Your sins put God's son on the cross. It was your sin. And listen, it is mankind that mocks God openly. And you know what God does? God's just silent right now. But someday that side's going to be seen of God. You know what you need to do? You need to get on the love of God so you don't have to experience his wrath. Amen. Listen, that, those are your options. The Bible says you, if, you're, if you haven't believed on his name, you are condemned already. But God doesn't want you to be. God wants you to experience his love and his fulfillment and purpose in life. The reason he designed you and created you was for his pleasure and for his glory. He wants you to experience what it is to know him. But a righteous God is going to love some things and he's going to hate some things. Some things will make him rejoice and some things will make him angry. Here's the difference between us and God. God's anger is called righteous indignation. And oftentimes, ours is not. Even when you get upset because someone says something wrong scripturally, how you handle that makes a big difference. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. He tells us to be angry. It's not, that he, it's not like God says you can never be angry. It's that when you're angry, you need to make sure that you are not sinning in that Anger. Listen, Jesus Christ in John chapter 2, we read it uh, in Sunday school. The, the Bible says that Jesus Christ went into the temple. And what did he do? He grabbed a scourge of whips. I mean, it, imagine if some guy walked into church today and grabbed like a whip. I guarantee you this. He wouldn't walk in like. <laughs> you know what Jesus Christ did? He drove them out of there. You might look at Jesus Christ in that moment and go, why is he so angry. Well, he was angry for a righteous reason. He was angry because of they had taken the house of prayer and made it a den of thieves. That was his father's house. He had a right to be angry about that. But even in that, did you notice that he never inflicts pain on any other human? Did you ever read that? 
He gets him and he says, get out of here. And he yells and he raises his voice, but he doesn't physically assault somebody. What an amazing sight of God. To see even when he's angry, he has it under control. The problem that we have is that we don't always do that. The Bible says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. In other words, you are emotionally unstable. You're like Reuben. You're unstable as water. One minute you're laughing, next minute you're yelling, and you're like this, and you're like this, all because of what things are going on around you. Can I say this? The Bible says, anger resteth in the bosom of fools. If it does not take much to get you angry, there's something wrong with you, not the other person. The Bible says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, you can't control yourselves. We live in a day and age where I was just born this way. I can't control any of it. I'm just a jerk because I was born a jerk. Amen. I wish someone would just say it like that. They don't ever say it like that. There was some fancy name for it. You know, I got this thing or that thing. You know what your problem is? No one ever told you you're not the center of the universe. And you can't treat people like garbage just because you're having a bad day. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You would have a better marriage if you got a hold of this. You'd have a better home if you got a hold of this. You'd have a better church experience if you got a hold of this. You don't know what they said about me. You don't know what they did. Maybe I don't, but I know this much. Your sin put Jesus Christ on the cross, and he still loves you. And he's not angry with you all the time. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, the, the contrast is being drunk versus being in control of your faculties, being filled with the Spirit. The problem is this, when you are walking in the flesh and you have anger resting inside of you, it does not, some of you are like, you know, praise the Lord, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Adrian, I never have this problem. I want to watch you in traffic tomorrow. Yeah, with your Christian sticker on your car. Yeah, and, and I, I want to watch you in your house and how you react to your kids. Listen, God tested me with this as well. I'm a clean person. I like things clean. When the kids spill something, my first reaction is usually, oh, it's stinking. You're going to just wipe it up with a paper towel. It's not the end of the world. But there's that something inside. You know what it is? It's not going the way I want to. Get over it, you big baby. It's a spill. And you can pick it up. But you know what happens? After a while, you just kind of develop this pattern of responding to life that, that certain way. And believe it or not, it becomes part of your identity. And you're supposed to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Here's some warnings in the Bible about anger. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. I love when someone's like, I don't get angry often, but man, when I get in, I just blow up. And everybody knows I'm, you're a fool. Well, you, you think there's a better way to say that? I didn't, I didn't write it. The Bible did. God said it. Anger rests in the bosom of those who are unwilling to say, there's a problem with me. The Bible says, make no friendship with an angry man, with a furious man. Thou shalt not go, learn, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. You know what I learned from that? Anger is contagious. Someone one time was writing an article for Reader's Digest, and they were doing this thing on Amish community stuff, and they went into the Amish community, and they were watching the school, and, and they noticed something. They said, on the playground, the kids, they never yell. I never saw one kid yell or get angry. That doesn't mean they don't get angry, but I just I didn't physically see that expression. You know what the response was by the teacher? Well, have you seen an Amish adult yell? More is caught than is taught. You can tell your kids, you need to learn to deal with this the right way, but if you blow, out, you, you get out, blow off the handle every time things don't go the way you want to, you're showing them this is how you deal with it. Listen, you know what you can say? I love my spouse. Oh, God, thank you so much for my spouse. And I post about them on Instagram every day. That's how much I love them. And yet you yell at them when they don't give you what you want. There's, a, there's an issue there, and it's not just with your spouse. It's from within you. And you need to learn to address it the right way. You know what some people do? They get offended by someone at church and they take off. Why? Because they got angry. Well, I'm going to show them I don't need the church anymore. Well, what, what, you're showing no one anything except for you don't know how to deal with your emotions in a healthy manner. 
Your emotions are running you. You're not leading them. They are leading. Listen, God gave us emotion for a reason. God himself is a God of love. God rejoices. God is angry. God is saddened at times. We are a fallen version of that. We were made in his image. It doesn't mean emotions are bad, but when they are dictating the decisions you make in your life, you've got a problem. And if you're allowing those decisions to affect your relationships, starting with your relationship with God, and then your relationship with your church family, and then your relationship with your spouse, and then your relationship with your kids, and your relationship with the lost and dying world, there are some Christians, you know what some Christians are known for in this world more than anything else? Now listen, I, I, re, I bleed red, white, and blue. I do. I love this country. And if you have something bad to say about it, move somewhere else. Amen, amen, amen. I came from somewhere else. I kind of like it here. If you don't, then go somewhere you like, all right? Until then, thank God for where you live. That's the right response for a Christian. I didn't say I was proud to be an American, but I am thankful to be one. But at, at the same time, can I say this? The world should not know me as an angry conservative. And some of you are like, darn tootin', that's what I am. Who are you to tell me? I bet you, I bet you I'm more conservative than most of you to get angry about that stuff. The difference is I know that's not why I'm here. I'm not here for that. You're not here to be a conservative or a liberal or a Democrat or Republican. You know what you're supposed to be? A Bible-believing Christian. And everything else comes after that. I know some of you get real, some of you get real excited if I start talking about current events and politics. Woo! You get them libtards, Amen. Get him, preacher. Yeah, I bet you would. I talk about anger. You're like, well, someone's got a problem out there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> An angry man stirreth up strife. Just can't leave things alone. You got to make your point. Got to make your point. Hey, just chill out. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. The next verse, you know, it says, a man's pride will bring him low. Do you think that there might be a connection between pride and anger? Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll come back to Jonah. And by the way, if you're not familiar, here, here's, here, let me give you Jonah in a nutshell. Jonah, in the Old Testament, God deals with the nation of Israel, and then he deals with everybody else. And there's the Jews, and then there's everybody else. And the Jews were God's chosen people, and they were the ones that had the word of God committed unto them. The Rome, book of Romans says the oracles of God were, uh, were given to the Jews. We understand that from reading the Old Testament. And so the Gentiles are the outsiders looking in. They don't know the true God, the one true God. They worship false idols in their search for the one true God. Israel's got the one true God. And so God goes, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Well, Lord, I don't want to go there. Those are the people that are going to hurt our people. Yeah, but that's not what matters right now. What matters right now is that they have exposure to me and have a chance to repent. I care about those souls. And so Jonah runs from God, and he gets thrown into the sea because he's in a ship, and he's trying to run from God. Then he gets swallowed by a whale, and in the belly of that whale, he cries out to God. God brings him back up. I tell you what, there are some things you don't want to experience in life. Getting thrown up by a whale is one of them, amen? And he gets thrown up by that whale, gets thrown back on the land, and once you know it, God throws him exactly where he was supposed to be to begin with, there on the shores of Nineveh. And then he goes and he preaches an eight-word message. If I could, like, some of you are like, would you try that, preacher, sometimes? <laughs> we would love you to do an eight-word message, amen? You know, repent and be born again, blah, blah, blah. amen, let's all go home. That's good, preacher. That's what Jonah, Jonah walks in, and in eight words, the entire city repents. It's, a, it's like a preacher's dream. I mean, look, there, there's certain reoccurring dreams I have. Here's one. I'm falling, and it's like, it feels so real, and I wake myself up because I feel like I'm going to fall. I'm going to die from falling. Anybody ever do that before? Another one that I have reoccurring is like invading communists from North Korea. I don't know why that is. Sorry. It's like, anybody ever seen Red Dawn? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Please help me out. Don't throw me under the bus and think I'm a terrible person. Sorry. But that's one of those dreams that recurs. And, and then, 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 then here's this other one. I'm preaching to thousands of people. And they're all there. And most of them are lost. And I give the invitation. And it's just like Billy Graham back in the day. You know, just come as you are. Just as I am. You know, and they come forth. And they come down. They all get saved. Whoa, that's a great dream. Imagine having a, a crowd of 120,000 people. You walk through the city like, hey. You guys are toast if you don't get right with God. Peace. <laughs> and you walk away and everybody gets saved. 
How awesome would that be? And then here's the best part. The best part is Jonah's not excited about this. Jonah's upset. He's angry. You go, well, why would he be angry? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But look at James chapter 1. Look at James chapter 1. Look at verse number 19. Is this making any sense yet? Amen. James 1, look at verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to what? Ears. Two ears, one mouth. Slow to? Ears. Slow to? Yeah. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Then in the very next verse, he says, lay apart all superfluity of naughtiness. You don't even have to know what that is. It's bad, okay? And you know, what, you know what he's basically saying? After that, he says, then you can receive the engrafted word. In other words, if you don't learn to lay aside certain things in your life, anger being one of them, you will never get out of the word of God what God intends for you to get. You go, well, how do you, how do you suppose that, preacher? God literally came to Jonah, showed up in an audible voice, and told him his words. And Jonah didn't listen. You know what that shows me? You go, oh, if God just spray painted it in the sky. Do you know in Revelation chapter 14, God's literally going to send an angel through the sky that the whole entire world is going to see in the great tribulation, and they're still not going to listen? If you're, you go, oh, if God just spoke to me, he's trying to speak to you right now. And he's telling you, if you don't learn to deal with this, there's some things that are just not going to get through. Now look, if you're dealing with someone else that's angry, here's what I can tell you. Dealing with an angry spirit. I bet somebody's like, yeah, preacher, I'm so glad you're on this subject. I know some really angry people. Get them, that's right, get them, preacher. <laughs> right. Some, some of you kind of want to walk through and go, she's got one and he's got one. And If you're dealing with someone else's anger, can I give you some advice? A soft answer turneth away wrath. Amen. But for the most part, we're not going to be talking about other people having this. We're going to be talking about you having this. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I heard a holy grunt over here. So, mm. <laughs> and how you need to deal with this within you. Benjamin Franklin said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. He also said this, anger is never without a reason, but seldom with a good one. Doesn't mean there never is a good, but, but seldom. I, I read, uh, I think it was Edward Stitton, the Secretary of Defense for Abraham Lincoln in the 1800, middle 1800s. He had a problem with one of the generals. One of the generals was accusing this, this Secretary of Defense of favoritism among the ranks, and he got very angry about it. And he came to the President Lincoln, and he says, what should I do about this? And President Lincoln says, I want you to write down everything you're feeling right now. So he writes a good one. I mean, Facebook's never seen something like this. <laughs> I mean, low light, doesn't know what he's talking about. Da, 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 just, and and so, so he comes back to the president. He goes, I wrote it. He goes, what do you want to do with it? He goes, I'm going to send it. He goes, no, you don't want to do that. Toss it in the fire. It felt good. You got it out. Move on. Can, can, I, can I give you some advice before you... before you do you can just see it sometimes you look constipated anger due to the inability to address ourselves can damage a lot around us and rob us of who God wants us to be I want you to remember God tells Jonah to go to this city, and, and here's this, this like apex. They all get saved. Can I ask you a question? When people get saved, don't they need someone to come back and teach them? Yeah. You don't read about any of that. It's, they repented, and it ends with Jonah being angry, and God asking him a question, and Jonah doesn't respond, and the end of his life, as we know it, ends with a question mark. An angry spirit is often the result of a few things. Let me give you this. Number one, self-guided expectations. You see what I mean? Well, you see, go back to Jonah chapter 4. You may go, well, why is Jonah upset? Here's why Jonah's upset. I did my part, Lord. Now it's time for you to send the fire down from heaven and smoke them. I mean, that's what he wanted. 
And now you may disagree with that outcome. You go, well, that's, that's not right. And I would agree with you, it's not right. But there are a lot of things that you want in your life that aren't right. A lot of expe- expectations you have in your life that aren't, aren't from the Lord. They're just self-guided. They are things that you think are the right thing. And because you think they're right, you just presuppose that God's on the same page with you. Let me just say this. That's not how life works as a Christian. Life works with God. What do you say about it? Let me get on your page, not God. Here's what I'm doing. Tell me when you want to catch up. You know what Jonah said? Well, Lord, you told me to go preach to them and tell them if they didn't repent, they were all going to die. Well, Jonah, you forgot one part. What if they repent? Look back at Jonah chapter 3 and look at verse number 4. Here's Jonah's message. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You know what, Jonah, I, I, I don't know, I can't prove it, but I don't know that that's everything God told him to say. We take for granted that it is. I don't know that it is. Listen, very rarely does God send a messenger and go, you're all toast, see ya. More often than not, it's like, hey, this is what's wrong, here's how you make it right with God. There's none of that. Jonah just goes in and goes, hey guys, 40 days, you're all dead. I did my part, Lord, kill him. (laughs) And then when they actually repent and respond to the word of God the right way, then Jonah's sitting there going, this is not what I expected at all. Chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very... You've got things in your life that you think should go a certain way, and they don't. I thought I'd, you know, have this many kids. I thought I'd, you know, have this situation. I thought my marriage would be better. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought my husband would have died. I'm just kidding. I, I thought, you know, I, I, thought, I thought all the, I had all these expectations from you, God, and you didn't come through. And the Lord's like, hold on, man. I didn't tell you I was going to do that. Where'd you get that from? Well, it's just what I wanted. I figured you, if I want it, you want it. That's not how it works. Some of your expectations are self-guided. Listen, in any relationship, you have to learn to communicate the expectations. There's no doubt that God does that. He communicates with Jonah about what his desire is about these people. You read about that in chapter 1, chapter 2, and yet Jonah doesn't respond the right way because Jonah had his expectations separate from God. Can I ask you a question? Are your expectations of the Lord? Or are they just yours? Because if, they if, they the if they're not of the Lord and they're just yours, at some point that anger is going to bubble up. There are things in your life that you think you deserve or that you think you merit or they should just simply be a certain way and they're not. And it burns your, man, it just gets at you. Parents, can I, can I give you some advice? Teach your kids when they're playing a game, they're not always going to get the ball. And sometimes they're going to lose. Sometimes you're going to be a loser. Someone has to win. Sometimes you're the winner. Sometimes you're the loser. There's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with That's life. But t- teach your kid, they may not get invited to every birthday party. They may not be part of every you know, social in- circle. They may not, because if they grow up thinking, that, I'm the greatest, I'm the most wonderful, I should be, I merit this, and I deserve to be your friend. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's, no, there's nothing that says that, that I, you have to take me. Listen, I wish I could make this happen. I wish it was in the Constitution and bylaws of New Heights Baptist Church that when you join this church, you must have me over for dinner. I would love that. <laughs> but, but can I say this? If you don't invite me, that doesn't mean I should hate you for that. There's these expectations that people have. This happens in marriage all the time. I just thought, based on what? I, I, I just thought, you know, I just thought, I joined this church and I, I thought I have this ministry. Who told you that? Did anyone tell you that? Well, I just thought, well, based off, did the Lord? Or was it you just desiring something because you didn't get it, now you're upset about it? There's a story, some of you know the story about a man named Ahab. He's the king of Israel. And right next door to Ahab, you ever had a neighbor you just didn't like? Anybody here? Oh, yeah. I'm hearing some, oh, yeah. Here's another question. Have you ever been the neighbor nobody liked? (laughs) In some church somewhere, someone's thinking about you when they ask that question. (laughs) You ever a neighbor? Oh, yeah, that guy. (laughs) 
Ahab has this neighbor named Naboth, and Naboth has a vineyard. And Ahab looks at that vineyard and he goes, I really want that. And I, I, I'm the king. I'm the king. I deserve it. I do all the kingly things, and it's hard being a king, and I, there, I deserve that vineyard. Can, can I say this? Everyone has a hard life at some point. Amen. You know, I've heard that single moms had a hard life. Yeah, they do. So do non-single moms for different reasons, right? She's still married to that sucker. There you go. Pray for her. Okay? I hear this all the time. Everyone's constantly, it's like, who can be the biggest victim among us? It's hard to homeschool kids. It's hard to send them to public school too. It's hard to do, it's hard to, just stop with all that and just go, you know what? God has blessed me. With whatever it is I've got or I don't have, it's because God thinks I need that or I don't need that in my life. Here's what Ahab does. He looks over at Naboth's vineyard. He goes, I want that. He goes to Naboth. He goes, hey, Naboth, guess what? I want your vineyard. And then when Naboth isn't like, oh, yay, Ahab's a little like, I'm taken back by the fact that you don't want to give me your vineyard. He goes, oh, I'll pay you for it. No, I, I, can't, I can't do that. It's, it's not right biblically. Because that vineyard was getting to my father's, and I can't just sell it out. It's our inheritance. It's our birthright. I, I'm not supposed to do that. And you know what Ahab does? Okay. Whatever. And he goes home. True story. Grown man. Grown man. Goes home and lies down. And when people come in the room, he goes. And if you don't know, because you can't see from back there, I just turned over. And everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Oh, nothing. Full on Napoleon Dynamite, you know, just. What, what's your problem? Well, I want to. I want a Naboth's vineyard. He wouldn't wouldn't sell it to me. Someone called the Wambulance, Brother Craig. Sometimes my kids would come and they'll say, that person was nice to me. I'll just tell them, okay. (laughs) You're like, worst dad of the year right here. I mean, some people aren't going to be nice to you in life. Sometimes they're just jerks. I'll ask them, were you kind? I tried. Okay. Cool. What are you going to eat for lunch? What are you going to talk about next? (laughs) You know know what Ahab does? Ahab gets, his anger is a little bit different. His anger is manipulative. And what he does, he goes, oh, I'm just a victim and no one loves me and I couldn't buy it. Naboth didn't give it to me. And, uh, and so his wife steps in because she's the one that really wears the pants in the family. And she goes, oh, oh, is that how that goes? Oh, dang, that's right. Oh, is that how that goes? You know, you know what I'm going to do then? I'm going to get him killed for you, honey. And then the vineyard's yours. And Ahab just go, oh, no, no, I couldn't have you do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and Nahab, Naboth is killed. And Ahab takes the vineyard. Now, it doesn't end well for Ahab or Jezebel. But I want, I, want you to, I want you to see it as an illustration. There's all kinds of ways to express our anger. And sometimes it gets people killed. Failed expectations that are self-guided are the worst. Because it's you saying, I had this ambition and God didn't give me what I wanted. Or my husband didn't give me what I wanted. Or my kid didn't give me what I wanted. Or my parent didn't give me what I wanted. And that anger comes to the surface. You know what the Bible says in Psalms 62? My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Amen. Now, listen real carefully, because here's how I think some of you heard this in the, uh, in the Adrian Standard Version. Here's how I read that, okay? In the Adrian Standard Version is, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from what He can give me. That's not what it says. Some of you have a problem with loving the gift more than the giver. My expectation is from him. Look, if you would, at Jonah chapter 4. Notice some things that happen here. In verse 2, he prays and basically says, I told you so, God. Can I say this? Prayer is intended to be a, an actual form of communication with God. 
It's not just, God, let me tell you what, what's on my mind. There's an element of prayer of waiting on the Lord to answer and for him to communicate with you as well. And so here Jonah basically has a one-sided conversation. You ever had a one-sided conversation with someone, and no matter what you say, they're not listening. They don't care what the response is. They have made up their mind. That's where Jonah's at right now. He's, oh, he's praying, but man, he's moving further from God. You can see it by his prayer. Look if you would at verses, uh, uh, verse 4 and 5. God talks in return to him in verse 4. How does Jonah respond? He ignores God's word. You know what Jonah's doing? He's moving further away from the Lord. Look, if you would, at verse number five. He geographically moves further away from God. You know where God's working in that moment, that time, in that city? And Jonah's trying to get as far away from the work of God. You know what it's a great picture of? It's a great picture of a Christian getting out of church and out of fellowship with God. You know what your anger will do? It'll cause you to move further away from the Lord. Look, if you would, at Jonah chapter 1. Can I just show you something real quick? I know some of you Bible students know this, but look at Jonah 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 3. The Bible says, Jonah rose up to flee in a Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went, what direction? Down to Joppa. Look, look if you would, later in the verse. So he paid the failure of and went where? Down into it. Uh, Look, if you would, at verse number 5. The Bible says uh, in verse 5 at the end of the verse, but Jonah was gone where? Down in the sides of the ship. Uh, And then in verse 15, he's thrown in the sea. Can I just say it like this? Anytime you move away from God, it's down. And you know where Jonah's moving in chapter 1? Down. God gives him miraculously a second chance. You know what a second chance is? It's called being born again. It's the greatest reset button on life. God takes all your sins and washes them away. He adopts you as his child. He makes heaven your home. He makes himself your father. He makes you a king. And he says, you know what? I want you to rule and to reign with me. And we'll be kings and priests for a thousand years. All that stuff that's set in the Bible. He gives you all that. And unfortunately, some Christians are like Jonah. They didn't learn the lesson from chapter 1. And they continued moving in the wrong direction in part because their inability to control their emotions and their anger. Look, if you would, at verse 8 in our chapter, Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. As I was working on this message yesterday, I had the monitor. Little, my, my, my wife was convinced we needed one of those eye spy cameras for our baby, you know. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm red, white, and blue, man. I don't like spying on people. I don't want people spying on me. So, here, here, I mean, you know, she thinks it's an innocent little thing. I'm thinking, man, this is like Second Amendment. We're breaking something somewhere. I don't know. First Amendment. Sorry, not Second. That's a different one. All right. And I, I, I'm looking, I, I'm thinking, why would I ever want a kid? We didn't have cameras on them. They lived. Look at them. They're kind of normal. I mean, they survived. And, 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 and like, we didn't have spy cameras on them all the time. You know, if they cried, go get them or whatever. And then yesterday, I got to admit, guys, I, it's kind of growing on me. The nanny cam is growing on me. Because I kind of walk around the house, oh, oh. But yesterday I'm working on this message and I happen to look up. Ah! I mean, man, if that baby had a gun, she would have shot me. <laughs> and you just see unbridled, uncontrolled anger. Now look, as a baby, that's their only way to communicate. They can't discuss their issues. We accept it then. It's not acceptable when you're 40. (laughs) Look at verse number 8. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind. The sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted, wishing himself to die. How do you go from seeing 120 people, 1,000 people saved and going from that to, just just kill me, God. And God said to Jonah, verse 9, Doest thou well to be angry for the Lord? I do well to be angry even unto death. You know what anger will do? It'll cause you to, to have emotional and unreasonable responses. I do well to be angry. Listen, David had an emotional response to seeing Bathsheba take a bath. Was it the right one? No. Saul had an emotional response when the kingdom was being taken away from him. It wasn't the right one. Nabal had an emotional response that literally killed him. Judas, can we, can we let's, let's just remember Judas for a moment. Judas 
halfway does the right thing. Judas realizes he's got this guilt, and, and I almost preached a message today about guilt versus conviction, but God wanted this instead. And some of you are like, I wish you had. I don't like this at all. Let's move on. But here we are. But I, I was thinking about guilt and conviction because here's Judas. After he realizes I messed up, look, there are some of us who make mistakes. Then there are some of us who made Judas rate mistakes, like betraying the Son of God, like literally physically doing that. That's a big deal. And Judas realizes, I, this money in my hands is like his blood, and I want it off my conscience. So you know what Judas does? He comes and he throws the money down. He goes, I shouldn't have done this. Guys, I'm sorry. And you know what their response is from those Pharisees? Get lost, buddy. We don't care. I think Judas was waiting for, we all should repent. You're right. Let's all make it right. And when he didn't get the response he was expecting, you know what he does? He goes and he hangs himself. Even when someone's repenting, you can see if, it, if it's just emotional or if it's spiritual. True repentance would have led him to go to the cross and say, I'm sorry. He didn't do it. Why? Emotions. Emotions need to be there. God knows some of you, like, need more emotion. I mean, some of you come to church. You know, and then, and then nothing's here, nothing's going on. Someone goes to the bathroom. <laughs> you're just emotionally just checked out. Some of you need more emotions. But some of you, the way you're living your life, it's just like, whoo, oh, these are so good. I love God. I love you. I'm going to serve God. Oh, they're just are so terrible. Uh, oh, but I went to church. But then this guy cut me off in traffic, and I gave him the bird. You're just all over the place. You're unstable. And God doesn't want that for you. And let me say this right now. You're not a victim. You choose to be unstable. Look. There are two schools of thought when it comes to humankind. Either you are just a random accident from an explosion that happened billions of years ago, chemical reactions that took place. And if you are, then you're a victim of all things that happen. Because it's all just a chance. And it's just an explosion of chemicals. Or there's a designer creator that loved you, made you, with purpose, and you're accountable to him. And therefore, because of that, He's given you what is right, and he's shown you, hey, you don't have to be this way. I believe Judas said in so many words, God, take this bad feeling away from me. No, 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 that's not how this works. You repent first. You don't go by the feelings. You, when you respond in feelings only, and that's the first way to respond, and it's not spiritually based, it won't last very long. Can I say this? Look, if you would, at verse number 10. God points something out about Jonah. You know, can I say this about your anger? Your anger will make it easy for you to pity yourself and not other people. You'll, you'll go, does anyone feel bad for me? Don't you pity me? The greatest example I can think of in the Bible. Saul is going to kill David, an innocent man. And he, he looks around and he goes, how come you don't, no one's on my side here. How come you guys, you guys are on his side? Because you're trying to kill him. We're the normal ones here. What's wrong with you? But no one could say that to Saul. And so Saul, because of his uncontrolled and unbridled anger, became self-obsessed. You know what anger is? Anger is selfish. Because anger is just about me expressing myself and how I feel regardless of how it affects anybody else. I mean, here's, here's Jonah sitting under that gourd and God brings the worm and it eats the gourd and now the sun is just beating down on Jonah's head. And Jonah is mad because God took my... And Lord, I could just imagine Jonah talking to God, God, don't you know it's hot? I could hear God whisper down, it's much hotter in hell, and that's where I'm trying to rescue these people from. But Jonah couldn't think about that. All Jonah could think about was himself. You got a bunch of Christians living that way. You can't think about any lost people. You don't pass out tracks. You don't witness anybody. You know why you don't? Because you're just thinking about you and how hard your life is 
in trouble. And listen, there's a t- God is a comforting God. You can go to him, pour your heart out, but because you're not doing that, you want to get it off from people, and they ain't giving it to you. And you're angry. The Bible says, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion, one of another, one of another love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. It doesn't mean pitiful like that guy's pitiful. It means be full of pity for others. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are there to call that ye should inherit a blessing. One time a lady came to Billy Sunday. He preached a message, <laughs> probably like this one, I don't know. And uh, anyone ever see a picture of Billy Sunday preaching? Oh, man, I mean, that guy, you think I'm, like, loud or whatever. This guy will get up on chairs, you know, and rock them and go like this. I mean, I, I don't do that, you know. Cut me some slack. I mean, Billy Sunday was a hard preacher. One time he preached on the subject, and some little lady came up to him. Preacher, I have a word with you. I always love when someone has to have a word with you, you know. And 98% of what you said, you know, was something to help them, and they heard 2% they didn't like, you know, or whatever. I'm going to have a word with you. So, so y- yes, ma'am, what's going on? You said that about anger and how it affects people. I just want you to know that I, I, there's nothing wrong with losing my temper. And when I blow up, at, at least then it's all over. You said, lady, that's kind of like a shotgun. Versus a wildfire. They both kill. Shotguns all at one time. But he said this, what about the damage it leaves behind? Can I, can I give you something to think about? If the devil cannot control you, he will try to confuse you. Amen. And use your emotions to do it. And when you let anger run your life, and you're making decisions based on anger, I've seen people come to church and just have a worse church service, in, just be miserable. Because they're angry about some stupid thing. And can, I, can I be honest with you? Preachers are no exception. You know what you have to learn to do? Get over self. And Jonah couldn't do that. Can can I tell you what anger will do? It will cause you to blow the second chances that God gives you. Look at Jonah chapter 2 real quickly. You say, what happened? I don't know. Like, like, let's say say that someone left church and they said, I'm never coming back to church, right? And then you get on an airplane. And then there's this awful, crazy storm in the airplane, right? And everyone's like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and, then, and then, like, you know, God basically shows up and says, yeah, I'm really not after all you guys. You're just on the plane with that sucker who's running from me. And then they're like, well, what do we do, Lord? Uh, I don't know, throw him out the airplane. <laughs> That's what happens in Jonah. Right? And then, and, then, and then imagine, rather than getting swallowed by a well, you just fall 30,000 feet to your death, and then all of a sudden you come back to life miraculously. You know what Jonah had? He had a second chance. You know what you have as a born-again Christian? A second chance. Amen. You know what happens here? Look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed. I guess you would pray after you get swallowed by a whale. And then Jonah prayed. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the what? Second time. That's a miraculous thing by itself. The fact that God continues to communicate with us when we ignore him and don't listen to him and run from him and shun what he has to say to us because we don't like it. What a miracle that God continues to love us and reveal himself to us. Thank God for that. But he blew it. Imagine God gives you the chance to change a bunch of people's lives. Come with me to Galatians 5. I want to show you something. We're almost done. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. You know what you are? You are a Jonah. The Bible says you were dead in trespasses and sins if you were a born-again believer. And God gave you a new life. You're a new man. You're a new woman because of what Jesus Christ did for you. And the world ought to see that. And sometimes, because our anger and our flesh gets in the way, that's obscured. And those second chances to really make an impact for Jesus Christ are missed and lost. I I read a story. I don't know. I have no clue. One of you guys that follow sports might know more about than I do. Shannon Sharp. I mean, he's a pro football player. Played for the... uh, was it the Broncos or the or Broncos? Sorry. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Forgive me. 
There's his brother Sterling played for the Packers. Is that right? Anybody know? Okay. All right. Yeah, I know you would know. Okay. So <laughs> Shannon Sharp is at some some uh, some basketball game or something, and there some fight occurs. People are yelling at him, and he's. They didn't want none of me. Dude, you're a pro football player. You have nothing to prove. What is wrong with you? Check your ego. Now, you look at that and go, what an, I- what an idiot. If there was a camera following you around, what Shannon Sharp moments would you have? With the Lord and with other people. You go, anger's not that big of a deal. It's not like, you know, real bad sin in the Bible. Look at Galatians 5. This is the challenge that you have as a born-again Christian. Now that you have that new life, there's something new inside of you, and yet there's that old person inside of you fighting that which is new. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Look at verse 16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the flesh lusteth against it. See, you, you got it. if you don't get a hold of this, you're going to walk out of here with no difference in mind. If you don't get a hold of the fact that anger is a spiritual problem that needs to be dealt with, not just give me a pill, you won't change. If you don't get a hold of the fact that you control it when you can submit yourself to the Spirit of God, he just makes me so angry. You're, you're a sinner. Being angered by another sinner. I'm not saying there's never a time to be angry, but let's be honest, most of the things we get angry about, they're not righteous in nature. We just don't like what someone says or does. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. Ah, I'm not one of those guys. So clear on that one. Fornication. See, I don't do that, preacher. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. I don't bow down to idols. I'm not a witch. <laughs> well, I oh, know. Move on. Move on. <laughs> Hatred. Var- variance. Emulations. What's the next word? Huh. You're telling me rafts in the same list with adultery and fornication and murder and drunkenness? How about that? So in God's mind, it's a problem, whether you see it as one or not. 30 seconds, I'll be done. Young men, especially you, you better learn to be a man, not a man boy, okay? Not a big baby that doesn't get his way, throws a fit. Some people throw a fit by pulling out a gun. Some people throw a fit by road rage. Some people throw a fit by hitting a woman, and you're a stinking punk if you ever do that. All right? But what I'm trying to get, I'm trying to moderate myself. What I'm trying to get at is this, is that the sign of a man is not one that just blows up when things don't go. The sign of a man is Jesus Christ. They ripped his beard out. He didn't say a word. I'd love to take some of these guys, you know, gold, gold ship. Especially when the girl walks by. I like to take some of those guys and go, hey, can I smack you around a little bit and don't do anything, don't say anything? Can I call you everything in the book? And just keep your mouth shut. It, it couldn't handle it. There's an emotional and spiritual strength there that comes from being submitted to the Spirit of God you can't imitate by just getting some reps at the gym. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but that doesn't make you a man. You know what makes you a man, young men? Learning to control yourself. Learning to control your lust. Learning to control your thoughts. Learning to control your, yes, your anger. Because here's the thing. Whatever is in here, I don't care how good you bear it, it eventually comes out. Forgive me. I'm going to make a reference to a show called The Biggest Loser, okay? I don't binge watch anything, but man, recently we stumbled across it. I I missed it for the last 20 years. I knew it was vaguely there. I didn't really know what it was really all about or anything like that. I'm watching this show, and what I'm learning is this. These people don't have a food problem or an exercise problem. They have a problem up here. Yeah. It's up here with how they look at food, how they look at life, and how they look at rejection, how they look at people. And, and there's this guy on this particular season. I don't know what season it is. I don't care. His name's Rob. Rob's just a big boy. Yeah. And every time someone changes something, else, <laughs> 26 years old. 
no control of the flesh. And you go, whoa, what a jerk. Well, we don't have cameras following you around all day, do we? The Bible says of God's people, happy are these thy people. I believe one of the greatest signs of you being a disciple of Jesus Christ, God, the Lord gives a few of them. Here's one of them, that you love one another, John 13. Here's another one, that you have my joy. It doesn't mean hard times don't come. doesn't mean there's never reason to be angry, but can I say this? If you're finding that fuse getting shorter and shorter and shorter, it's not just a mental or it is a spiritual issue in your life as a believer. Amen. And you need to learn to come to an altar or deal with it in your own way. Say, God, I am wrong. I'm not going to blame my husband. I'm not going to blame my kids. I'm not going to blame my two hours of sleep because the baby doesn't understand it's di- nighttime yet, right? I'm not going to blame any of that stuff. I'm going to look in the mirror and say, it's me, O oh Lord. Amen. And Lord, I'm sorry. And if you've never been born again, you go, man, you just kind of stepped all over people's toes and you're their friends. I don't get it. If you're their friend, I'm telling you that because I am their friend. And if I'm supposed to be your friend, you've never been born again, can I say this? The greatest joy you can ever have in life is knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. We just got done talking to Christians and they have problems. With, yeah, yeah, they do. But here's one problem I don't have. I don't have the problem of the wrath of God being poured out on me for eternity Amen. over sin. Well, if he's a loving God, why, uh, 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 stop, stop, stop. A loving God is not a pervert. There's some things he's going to hate. Sin is one of them. And so he says, either you accept, listen, I poured out my wrath on my son Jesus. This is what God the Father would say. And you either take him or you take it directly from me. Either you let Jesus get in the way of that wrath. Aren't you little, some of you siblings, you, you ever get happy when an older sibling stands in the way of mom or dad's wrath? Say hallelujah right there. Mom and dad, oh, would you, why would you do this? And you know better. And, and then big sister, big brother comes in and goes, oh, let me explain what's going on. It's my fault. I got involved. Da, da, da. Okay, okay. And you dodged a bullet that day. <laughs> and, and, and can I say this? You, you dodged a bullet for eternity when Jesus Christ stepped in your way. Amen. You either accept him or you reject him. Let's all stand every head bowed and every eye closed. You can accept him today as your Savior if you want. And if you're not saved, I encourage you to get saved today. And if you're a Christian struggling with anger, can I encourage you, take advantage of the altar right now. And before you move on, before you leave this place, before you make other plans, the altar's there for you. Deal with this. Ask for God's help with this. Recognize it's your problem. Don't don't look at it as just, well, yeah, that was a good message. Someone needed that. if, If you're struggling with anger, address it with the Lord today. Humble yourself and say, God, this is me. I struggle with this. And I don't want to blame my spouse anymore. I don't want to blame my kids anymore. I'm not going to blame the man or society or anybody else. This is me. Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I want to encourage you Christians, please, please take advantage of this time to talk with your father about this issue in your life. I'd encourage you to come to the altar. If you're not going to do that, make an altar where you're at. But don't leave without addressing this. There, there are a few subjects that I preach on where I can, I can with confidence say, everyone here at some point deals with this. This is one of those subjects. Our emotions. Submitting them to the Spirit of God. I pray you do that today. And I pray you do it tomorrow. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. But it starts now. Jonah's life ends with a question mark, no answer. Someday there's going to be something on your tombstone. I pray it's not a question mark. I pray it says he led many to Christ. She led many to Christ. She was an example for Jesus. He was an example for Jesus. He was a light for him. She was a light. That's what I pray. You choose that by how you live every single day. When every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask a real simple question as these pray. Here's the question. Do you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that if you died right now, you'd be in heaven with God as your Father and heaven as your home for eternity. If you're saved and that's you and you can raise your hand and say, yep, I'm saved. I'm a born-again child of God. Hands up all over the place. Amen. It's awesome. Thank God for that. Isn't it great to know you can raise your hand, not because you're a good guy or a good gal, 
but because you know Jesus took your place. Isn't that awesome? It's so good. But, but here's another question. If you could not raise your hand, and you're not sure, with no one looking around right now, would you be honest enough to slip your hand up and go, Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not saved, or I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'd like to know. I'd like to know what it is to have eternal life. I don't want to have these doubts anymore about what it is to know God, to have peace for eternity. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I can't, I can't make you get saved, but I'd love to pray for you. And with no one looking around and every head bowed and every eye closed, you can slip your hand up and I'd love to pray for you if that's you. You go, preacher, I'm kind of embarrassed. I don't really want to raise my hand. That's fine. Could you please, before you leave this place, find someone that can open a Bible? I'd be glad to be that person that can tell you how to be saved. Greatest joy. That's when the work starts from the inside out. You go, well, preacher, you just talked to people about for an hour long about their anger. Yep. Because you still have the old nature inside of you after you get saved. The difference is my sins are no longer on my soul. I don't have to face the judgment of God. Now I'm living in the love of God because I accepted His standard for my salvation. I accepted Jesus Christ. I encourage you, don't leave this place if you have questions about that. And Christians, I'm glad that we have a God that is, the Bible says, slow to wrath. You know how I know he's slow to wrath? He's been watching man kill. He's been watching genocide. He's been watching hatred. He's been watching one group put down another group. He's been watching, he's seen the, the torture and the rape. He's seen all this junk in the world. And he hasn't poured out his wrath on everyone yet. That's a gracious and merciful God that is slow to anger. Take advantage of that today and get saved. And Christian, be an example of that out in this world. The song he's playing, Feel Me Now, it's a good song. Jesus, come and feel me now. Man, it's good. Ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit today. I'm not talking spooky, weird stuff, but if you're saved, ask the Lord, fill me. I want to be filled with the Spirit so I don't walk in the flesh. Fill me now. Amen. Hope you got something out of the Word today. Hope it makes a difference in your life. And, and I truly and genuinely hope that we can be as a people. I'm throwing myself in there with you guys. Let me explain this too. Before I ever preach a message to you, God preaches it to me. Amen. There are times I'm putting a message together. I'm like, does that point have to be in there? <laughs> and I don't want it there because it, it hits me. And you know what I hope for all of us? That we learn to say, you know what? I'm not going to let my flesh control my, my life and how I respond. Because you know what? I, I don't control the world. I control how I respond to it. Amen. And I don't control the Christians around me. I control how I respond to them. And I don't control my boss at work, but I control how I respond to him or her. That, that's that's what you need to get a hold of here. And how you respond, listen to me, to people at some point will determine it's a reflection of how you're doing with God. That's why Jonah hated the Ninevites and that's why he ignores God later on down don't make the same mistake don't make that mistake you got a second chance to take advantage of it amen amen, amen. let's go to the Lord in prayer today and uh, ask for God's blessing on our lives if you can make it Wednesday night we will be here at Wednesday night wrapping up our series on worship and music uh, and then the following Wednesday night we're gonna have a question and answers night uh, seven o'clock and the kids will be downstairs for DVC as well all right let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's see here, who's my victim? But Eric, if you close this out in a word of prayer, sir.